Good morning, Parkway Church. How you doing? Good. So glad you guys are here with us, whether at Parkway Port Lavaca, Parkway Lone Tree, Parkway Victoria, or still racking up the savings on tax-free weekend at Parkway Online. We are so glad that you're here. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here, and it's my privilege to open God's Word with you each and every week. And we're in the middle of a series entitled Asking for a Friend where we are looking at the questions that people are asking and we're answering these questions using the book of Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. You know that phrase, asking for a friend. That's one of the ways that we hide our question behind a hashtag. Like I had an asking for a friend moment this week. Mine was this, is it okay to eat three pieces of cheesecake for breakfast? <laughs> asking for a friend. As we look at answering questions that we all ask, today we're going to look at the book of Proverbs together and answer the question, how should I live? As you continue your journey through scripture, we're in what is called the wisdom literature now. And the book of Proverbs plays a unique role in our lives as believers because the book of Proverbs gives us little chunks of truth, little bite-sized nuggets that we can hold on to. You guys know some of the modern day Proverbs we live with, right? If you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he'll want to buy a boat. All right? You've heard that one. Finish these other ones with me. If you, broke, if you break it, you... All right, you got it. Hey, um, let me give you a couple more there that you can finish along with me. Um, wake up and smell the... Diet Coke. Uh, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the... You got it. Well, in the book of Proverbs, we learn not only some simple truths that we can apply to life, like those that you just recited, but we learn that, that these are the inspired words of God. So these aren't just little sayings you, you put up around your house as, as, as though they are a, a, a proverb for today. These are proverbs for every day. This is the inspired word of God. And as we look at the Proverbs, one of the things that you'll notice very quickly is that the book of Proverbs gives us a simple grid for living. And as you read the book of Proverbs, you're going to see that you're either living like one who is wise or living like one who is a fool. It's a simple grid for living, which in our day and age, we love simple grids for living. You might not like being categorized as either being wise or foolish, but most every other area in life that matters to us, we simplify it. Most every other area in life, we try and minimize the choices so that we can make the best one for us. Proverbs does that, wise or foolish. I mean, think about some of the simple ways that you and I make complex decisions. Think about politics. We're either voting red or we're voting blue. Think about dating these days. You're swiping left or you're swiping right. Think about food. We like to simplify food these days, right? No carbs. So, I mean, we've simplified everything in food life to am I eating carbs or am I not? Am I eating carbs or am I not? Am I enjoying life or am I not? We've simplified it. Spending, all cash, no plastic, right? You want to learn how to make some better financial decisions? Let's just simplify it. All cash, no plastic. You want to look at tech, no Apple. It's just that simple. How about sports? Maroon or burnt orange? The decision is very, very simple. How is it that we like simple solutions to decisions? 
in every other area of life, but then we look at the book of Proverbs and the writers of the Proverbs make it very simple. We are either living a wise life or we are living the life of a fool. If you brought your Bible, today we're gonna turn to Proverbs chapter three. And in Proverbs chapter three, we see some instruction from a father to a son. And it's instruction on living the wise life. We're gonna learn the way of wisdom and the why of wisdom today. You know, just before I turned 40, many of you came up and said, Mike, once you turn 40, these things are gonna happen to you. And you, you included things, you know, like you're gonna wanna go to sleep earlier. You're gonna, you're gonna need to eat less. Your eyesight's gonna go bad. And I was like, none of those things are gonna happen. So wouldn't you know, now I can't eat what I want. I gotta go to sleep at nine o'clock and I'm wearing some cheaters when I do. About a year and a half ago, when my eyes started going south, I decided I was gonna get a new Bible to teach from because I didn't wanna put glasses on and I'm not a guy that can touch my eyeball every day to put contacts in and out. It's just not me. And so I ordered this brand new Bible and it was supposed to be a large print journaling Bible. And my big goal was that you guys would never know that I can't see. And so I'd have this super large print Bible and then I'd be able to jot my notes in each of the side columns and the margins there. It was a grand idea until I received that Bible. It was about that thick <laughs> and weighed 40 pounds. Can't preach from that. And so another great idea came. I decided to give it to my son. Today we moved my son to, to college at Baylor. So I decided last year on the graduation before he would graduate, I decided to start writing notes in the margins of that Bible to my son. So as he goes to Waco this fall, he's got 365 passages highlighted in, in commentary from dad to son. And, and that's what Proverbs 3 is all about. And, and right now you're thinking, you're nudging your husband, why can't you be that good? That's an awesome father. Why can't you should be that good of a father? I just remind you that I'm the same father that in third grade when Nick um, got out of the spelling bee with the word successful and he was very torn up about it and came and sat next to me and I leaned over and said, I bet you know how to spell unsuccessful. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm that guy, all right? I don't always get it right. I'm that guy. When my daughter Leah was uh, born and she was in rough shape physically and they took her from us and hooked her up to tubes and machines and all of that. I, I'm standing outside of a nursery and praying for my baby. And the nurse comes and says, sir, what are you doing? I said, I'm praying for my daughter right there. They said, that's not your kid. <laughs> I don't know who that kid is, but I'm sure they're special today. <laughs> so I don't always get it right as a dad. But in Proverbs chapter three, we see the wisdom of a dad passed down to a son. And we're gonna learn together from it. Are we living the way of the wise or the way of the fool? We start out, and you can fill in this blank, by learning the way of wisdom. In Proverbs three, seven and eight, the Bible says this. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your bodies and nourishment to your bones. So the, the way of wisdom is simply don't be wise in your own eyes. 
one of the things that we must discover is disciples of Jesus. And a disciple is anyone who's believed in Jesus for eternal life and is following him with all of their lives. One of the things that we've got to learn is to be a disciple of Jesus. We must be unlearning much of what we learn in our day-to-day lives. Much of what seems natural and wise in our own eyes, we must unlearn and undo. And we must learn how to be wise, not according to our own eyes, but instead to be wise in a way that we fear the Lord and we shun evil. See, there's a question behind every decision that we make. Is this wise or is it just wise in my own eyes? Is this decision I'm making, is this choice that I'm making, is this life that I'm living, is it showing that I fear the Lord, which means I have a respect for him, I have a sense of awe before him, he is my leader, do I fear the Lord and do I shun evil? Wow. When we begin to ask that question, is the way of wisdom easier to find? Sure. What does this choice say about my relationship with God? What does this habit show about my desire to be away from evil instead of as close as I can get to it? The way of wisdom begins with us not being wise in our own eyes, but instead fearing the Lord and shunning evil. And then we keep reading and we see the the writer of the Proverbs here. He lists out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven ways that we can fear the Lord and shun evil. Five, seven ways, five plus two ways that we can be wise, not in our own eyes, but instead in fearing the Lord and shunning evil. And the first one is this. And this is the first passage that I highlighted in that Bible to Nick. First way is this, we trust God. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. If we're gonna live on the way of wisdom, if we're gonna be wise, not in our own eyes, but in fearing the Lord and shunning evil, then we must trust God with all of our heart. We can't lean on our own understanding If it makes sense to me, then I probably have got some work to do with the Lord. If it makes sense to me, it probably means that I need to do business in the word of God and I need to spend some time praying to God to make sure that I'm not leaning on my own understanding, but instead I'm fearing God and I'm shunning evil. See, my own understanding can lead me to the way of a fool real quick. But the way of the wise is that I'm gonna submit to him in all my ways and he will make my path straight. Can you imagine a father sitting down and writing to his son? That's what this proverb is. Saying, son, in all your ways, submit to the Lord. I don't know what your future holds, but I know that if you submit to the Lord, he will make your path straight. Like a loving father writing to a son, God writes to you and me and says, would you trust me? that when you lean not on your own understanding and when you're not wise in your own eyes, I will make your path straight. And then the the wisdom lived continues. As we look at Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, we see that we honor God with our wealth. There are gonna be two ways that we honor God. First one is we honor God with our wealth. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. See where I got that from? Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops 
Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. See, God looks at us as a loving father and says, honor me with your wealth. That first fruits language is a reminder that we give to God, not the leftovers, but we give to God the first of our lives, the first of our money, the first of our energy, the first of our talent, the first of our spiritual gifts, the first of our work. We give to God first. And this doesn't make sense. If I'm wise in my own eyes, I'm not given to God at all. I have a hard time living on 100%, and yet some of us see this as a command to give God first 10% of what we make. And if I can't live on 100, what makes you think I can live on 90? Well, don't just be wise in your own eyes, because here's the promise. If we learn how to honor God with our wealth, then he does more with the 90 than we could ever do with the 100. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Honor God with your wealth. Third, honor God with your heart. Listen to this. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son, he delights in. So not only do we honor God with what he's given us, but we honor God with the most valuable thing that we have, and that's with our heart. And what the writer of Proverbs here is saying is keep a soft heart to God. Don't resent your loving father because he disciplines you. You think about this, dads. Our job is to discipline our kids, but do it in such a way that it doesn't turn their heart against us. Our job is to discipline our kids and to lovingly shape their lives in a way that their heart doesn't turn against us. And God says to each one of us, let me discipline you like you want to discipline your kids out of love, out of what's best. Let me just don't grow to resent me because I am disciplining you. I'm going to spend a whole message on this in the coming weeks. And you're like, what day is that? I'm not coming to church then. <laughs> but you got to get this, friends. God's discipline is because he loves you. If you're experiencing a loss because you're walking with Jesus Christ right now, and you're having to make a decision where you are living as the wise, not as the fool, and you see that as God's discipline, friends, that is for your benefit. It's because he loves you. The way of the wise is always best for you. So we trust God. And how do we show we're trusting God? We honor him with our wealth and we honor him with our heart. And then next, number four, we treat people well. This is such a practical proverb that we're walking through together, chapter of Proverbs that we're walking through together. Listen to this. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. We're going to treat people well. And here's how you treat people well. You're going to have love and faithfulness bound to you. Because you're a believer in Jesus Christ who loved us first, we love others first. Because we're believers in Jesus Christ and God is faithful to us, we are bound to faithfulness with other people. See, the heart that's soft to God, we write love and faithfulness on it because it's also soft to man. And listen to the promise. One of the things that I love about the Proverbs is there's a promise attached to our obedience. 
And the promise here is if you treat people well, you'll have good favor and a good name in sight of both God and man. Friends, your reputation is more valuable than gold. Your reputation matters. And so as we look at treating people well, we're bound to love and faithfulness and we're writing it on our heart because we are his kids. And then we have a rapid fire, three things that we do to treat others well. And these three things, as we see in Proverbs chapter three, are three things that I encourage our staff team to live out together over and over and over again. One of our team values here, one of the values that I hope sets the culture of how we work together as a staff team and how we function together as a church is that we seek the best, say the best, and do the best for others. That we aren't a staff team that stabs each other in the back. We're not a staff team that looks to see how we can climb up uh, on, on the, the, and, and hurt others in the process. We're not a staff team that looks to see how we can succeed while others fail. Say, Mike, you work for a church. Of course you're not. Well, friends, the church is full of people. And so we gotta be reminded to seek the best, say the best, and do the best. And listen to where that comes from scripture first. Seek the best. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. I love this word picture. You got your neighbor who's doing nothing but living their life next to you, trusting you. And the next door, you are the evil one who's plotting. <laughs> How can you take them down? Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. I'm not going to seek to harm. I'm going to seek to do what's best for others. I'm going to say the best about others. Proverbs 3, verse 30. Do not accuse anyone for no reason when they have done no harm to you. How do you accuse? You accuse with your mouth. And here the Proverbs teach us, don't use your mouth in such a way that you hurt someone. I'm gonna say the best about others. If I'm gonna treat people well, I'm gonna seek what's best for them and I'm gonna say what's best both to them and about them. So I'm not gonna be the person that says nice things to your face and talks about you behind your back. I'm gonna be the one that says what's best for you to your face, and I'm gonna say it when I'm talking about you to others. The book of Ephesians talks to us about not letting any unwholesome words come from our mouth, but instead only those which are good for the building up and the blessing of others. That's the heart of saying what's best about others. And then the third, seek the best, say the best, do the best. Proverbs 3, verse 27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. So if it's possible for you to do good for someone, if it's in your power to act, do that good. That's how we treat people well. That's how we say yes when God opens moments for us to use our gifts to serve others. That's how we use our gifts when God opens doors so that we can share the love and message of Christ. I mean, think about it, friends. How would your workplace change if you picked up the mantra? And it starts with you. It starts with me. Seek the best. Say the best. Do the best. 
because each one of those things is within our control. We can't control everybody else, but we can control what we seek for others, what we say of others, and what we do for others. So there is the way of wisdom. I'm not going to be wise in my own eyes. Instead, I'm going to lean on the understanding that I'm trusting God, not on my own understanding. I'm going to lean on him. I'm going to submit to him. And I'm going to trust him that he'll make my paths straight. As you keep reading in this proverb, not only do you learn the what, but we learn the why of wisdom. You can fill in the blank, the why of wisdom. Proverbs 3, 13 through 18. Let's finish it up. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. She is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. This is wisdom that the writer is describing. Long life is in her right hand, and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold fast to her will be blessed. Why does God want you to live a wise life? Well, we see it starts with blessing and it ends with blessing. God wants you to live a wise life because he wants you to experience his blessing. It says here that wisdom is profitable and wisdom is precious. With wisdom, we have long life and we have wealth. We know what true riches are with wisdom. With wisdom, we get to live a life that's pleasant in its ways. Some of the most unpleasant seasons in my life is because I chose the path of the fool instead of the way of the wise. If your life today is not pleasant and isn't full of peace, one of the first places you should check is to ask this question. Where am I being the fool? Where am I bringing the hurt and the pain and the loss and the frustration the stress and the anger and the resentment upon myself. Where am I doing it? The Bible here says that wisdom is the tree of life and it's a blessing to all that will take hold of it and grasp it. So as you enter into the fall season of life and everything picks up pace again and we, we need a simple grid for living, and here it is from Proverbs. Are you living as one who's wise? Are you living as one who's a fool? Now, the amazing thing about the book of Proverbs is there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And so you could read a chapter of Proverbs every day, every month, to grow in wisdom. See how it works? Today is August the 12th, correct? So you could turn to Proverbs chapter 12 and start reading that chapter. Tomorrow's the 13th. Look at that. I am good with math. <laughs> so you would open up to Proverbs chapter 13 tomorrow. One nugget of wisdom each day will help you calibrate and realign your life and focus on the wisdom of God. These aren't fortune cookies we're opening, friends. This is the inspired word of God, which can equip you to live the life that God wants and desires for you to live. 
And, and they're there for us in bite-sized pieces. They're there for us. Read a chapter a day every day. Those months when there's only 30 days, oh, you don't get to read about the Proverbs 31 woman. But on those months where there's 31 days, oh, what a great ending to the book of Proverbs. And somebody's like, did, did he say women? I'm skipping ahead. There is lots of stuff in the book of Proverbs that you and I need to apply to life, and we can do it. We can do it together. Let's pray together. Father, thanks for the chance to open your word. I pray that you help us to apply it to our lives. I pray that you help us to live the way of the wise instead of the way of the fool. And God, just as we will make other decisions so simple, may we make our decisions before you just as simple. Help us to boil down the complex into this simple question. Am I living the way of the wise? Or am I on the path of a fool? Church family, as you consider that, just do some honest business before God. And ask him to work and to move and to give you the courage to make the necessary changes. The good news is this, friends. If you're on the way of the wise. The Holy Spirit is here to help you continue to walk on that way of wisdom. If you're a believer in Jesus and you're on that path of foolishness, you can pray and confess that sin and he cleanses you of all unrighteousness and you can commit to walking in the way of wisdom and all of a sudden the trajectory, the, the direction of your life changes because God himself moves you son or daughter, from that path of foolishness to the way of wisdom. And then his Holy Spirit guides you along the way. So today's your day, church family, to go ahead and do some business with God and say, I'm sick of the path of fools. Lead me to the way of wisdom, my God. As the church family does that, if you're here and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, your job isn't simply to check the path you're on. Your job is to say yes to Jesus, the one who came to give you life. The Bible says that every time we make an act of foolishness or we act a fool, that's sin. And we're all sinners. And that's why God sent his son Jesus to die in our place to pay for our sins. They buried him, and three days later, he was raised again from the dead to prove that he's God and to offer us life. If you've never believed that simple message, I invite you to believe today and find life, eternal life, and a new life here on earth. The Bible says that Jesus is Savior and Lord, and he invites you to believe in him and find life today. If today's your day, let's mark it with a prayer you can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a Savior and that you are the Savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life.